New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. We're going to start today with our affirmation of the day to actually get our mind right while people are still waking up and moving around, shaking and baking here this morning. Today's affirmation comes out of Daily Motivations for African American Success by the same author, Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough, and it simply says this. Repeat after me. Uh, I am focused. I am determined. And I will continue to push forward. I am focused, I am determined, and I will continue to push forward. Well, kings and queens, my question to you today is, are you focused? If so, what are you focused on? Uh, there are so many of us who actually, you if you look at your life, you look at your habits, if you look at what you do on a regular, regular basis, there are certain things that you are focused on. My question to you is, as you think about those things that you're focused on, those things that you typically do each and every day, are some of those things, those things that you know about, are they leading you to where you want to be or actually taking you away? Let me give you an example. I realized that I actually loved this. I love to play video games. And I realized it was starting to consume a lot of my time because I was focusing on playing that game, mastering that game, and being the best at that game because I'm a competitive person. But when I look at the time that I was spending on a game versus the time I could be spending on my business, I had to change focus. And so I didn't want to just say I'm going to be a master of the video game that's bringing me no wealth. Let me be a master of my business that can bring wealth into my storehouse. So I changed focus. Does that mean I stopped playing the game? No. It just means that I stopped focusing on that game and I decided to take that focus and put it somewhere else. My question to you is what are you going, where are you, what is it that you need to focus on? That can help you br help bring you the desires of your heart. I'm telling you, if you change focus, you'll change your results. Uh, next, he says, "Hey, I'm determined." Well, I think in order for you to actually change focus, you got to be you have to be determined to win. Are you determined to win? So now, are you focused? You're focused on accomplishing your goals. You're 
uh, aspirations, you're building your dreams. Now you're saying, I'm determined to do it. I mean, if it is to be, it's up to me. I'm focused. I'm determined. And here is the other part. It's called perseverance, by the way. I will continue to push forward. I want you to understand, kings and queens, that there are going to be some things that come across your path that's going to, that's going to hinder you. It's going to slow you down. It's going to distract you. Uh, the things that come to life to steal, kill, and destroy. But will you continue to push forward? Now, some people take the acronym PUSH and say, pray until something happens. That's great. Do that as well. But will you continue to push forward? Today's affirmation is, I am focused. Are you focused today? I am determined. Are you determined to win? I will continue to push forward. Will you keep going no matter what? There's only a few people who can say they're all three of those things. And if you find yourself this morning, you're saying, hey, I, I'm not. I got one of those. I don't have all three. Well, let's work on all three. Focus, determination, and perseverance. Our affirmation of the day, repeat after me and say it this time with some conviction. Let's get this thing really going as we set our day in line. I am focused. I am am determined and I will continue I will continue to push forward that's today's affirmation guys uh, you know as you uh, let that thing come into your heart uh, you can grow and develop that thing by repeating it over and over and over again until until it reaps a harvest in your life I am determined I am focused and I will continue to push forward. A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com www.ergjblackbazaar.com ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric marketplace. We make group economics easy. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Well, billionaires, kings and queens, uh, we're going to get right to the meat of what we're going to discuss today. The uh, New Black Wall Street Book Club in the book, What Makes the Great Great. What Makes the Great Great by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. We're at the chapter uh, 5.6, something like that. Uh, and we're, today we're going to be talking about choosing your work. Seven criteria to choose your work. 
We also have two other sections that we'll finish up today. And then uh, I think next episode, we should be done with chapter five. Seven criteria for choosing the correct vocation. Vocation is another word for work, by the way. Seven criteria for choosing the correct vocation. A poet once wrote, Blessed is the man who has found his work. Blessed is the man who has found his work. Begs the question, have you found your work? Blessed is the man who found his work. For the man or woman who has found an unending area of interest, the future is indeed a happy prospect. And let me add, such work exists for each of us. If we have not yet found it, we can do no better than continue our journey until we discover it. Latch on to the full message of Dean Briggs, one of America's foremost business educators who taught, do your work, not just your work and no more, but a little more for the lavishing sake. That little more which is worth all the rest. And if you doubt as you must, and if you suffer as you must, do your work. Put your heart into it and the sky will clear. And then out of the very doubt and suffering will be born the supreme joy of life. Imagine you have just received a diploma and you are about to walk into your dream job. What is the work that you will perform? What is your level of compensation? Who are your co-workers? Describe your work environment. So imagine you are walking into your dream job, your dream work. Basically, the author is asking you, what does that look like for you? Describe your work environment. What does it look like? Feel like? Sound like? How do you feel in this setting? What do people say to you and ask of you or report to you? What rewards do you experience? I want you to understand, kings and queens, that many of us, many of us simply don't have what we want because we don't know what we want. And to ask you to do something like this, to describe it, uh, to put some feeling into it of your dream job, you might say today that, hey, I don't like the job that I have. Okay, well, then the question could be, well, okay, well, what job would you like to have? And then if you can't answer that question, you can't describe what that dream job looks like, well, that's the main problem. Because we haven't, we haven't set a destination, there's no way that we can reach it. So we can keep going to jobs that we don't like because we haven't defined the, per, the perfect or the dream job that's for us. When are you going to start defining your life and setting into motion areas and places that you want to go so that you can get there because you said, this is where I want to go? So many people are complaining simply because they have never de defined. They never set a destination. They just take what comes and then they complain about it as, it, as, it, as, it, as they go through it. Have you defined your dream job, what you want to do and where you want to do it? Defining your life. Have you found that work? Your correct vocation. You need to ask two key questions as you approach the following exercise relating to your professional life. First, is my current professional career the one best suited to me? Second, if I'm in the career best suited to me, am I using my talent to its fullest potential? 
If you haven't discovered your true vocation, you may benefit from the following guidelines for choosing the correct vocation, stipulated in part by inspirational writer Mark Victor Hansen. Number one of the seven criteria for choosing your worth, your vocation. Number one, the position must be self-chosen. You must choose it yourself. You must choose it. Everybody put in the comments below, choose. You must choose it. And not your mother or your father or your significant other. Did somebody encourage you to pursue this field? The successful employ the secret of preparation as a way of achieving goals and sidestepping obstacles. They adhere to the words of Whitney M. Young, founder of the Urban League, who taught it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have it than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. Did someone encourage you to pursue this field? Did you choose your work or was it chosen for you? Number two, the position or occupation must be something that excites you. Man, it's something about going to work that's that, and when you can go to a, a job or you can go, you're doing something on a regular basis that excites you. Passion is the key word. Everybody put in the comments on passion. Passion is the key word. The successful select work suited to their education and temperaments, they engage in labors of love. Passion. They engage in labors of love. Number three. There must be ample opportunity for unlimited personal and professional growth. You're looking for opportunities to grow. What each of us must do is, is to progress in our professions, to strive for constant improvement, to become effective and efficient in the career of our choice. In education as well as in business, we must stay only, we must not only strike while the iron is hot, but we must strike it until it becomes hot. We must not only strike when the iron is hot, but we must strike it until it becomes hot. Number four. And the seven steps to choosing your work or seven criteria. Creative thinking must be required. It's a requirement that you must use your brain. Creative thinking must be a requirement. Successful men and women possess the ability to turn nothing into something. They transform weeds into gardens and pennies into fortunes by combining the blessings of work and imagination. Successful men and women possess the ability to turn nothing into something. When's the last time in your life that you turned nothing into something? You turn pennies into fortunes. You turn weeds into guards. You turn something or nothing into something. Using work and your imagination. Five of the seven criteria for choosing your work. You cannot watch the clock in a level. You cannot watch the clock in a level of compensation. Wow. Trading hours for dollars is the lowest form of compensation. Trading hours for dollars is the lowest form of compensation. Uh, peak performers do not evaluate their work by the number of hours it takes. They never equate what they can earn with the work they perform. Time is a tool, not an end. 
Those who master greatness don't complain about long hours. They complain that the hours aren't long enough to accomplish everything they want. How long do the, does the successful man or, or woman work? They work until. How long does the successful man or woman work? They work until. I think that in itself can help a lot of people today. To understand that trading your time for dollars is the lowest form of compensation. It can only take you up so high in your income level. You must begin to do what we call create multiple streams. And these multiple streams are ways that you can trade other things other than your time for compensation. Number six. In the seven criteria for choosing your work, all work must be beneficial to humanity. A successful people view work as a giving process, serving for the sake of serving, giving for the sake of giving. In other words, their work is seen as a calling. Collectively, they've adopted the model only the best will do. They hang this dictum in their office, in their home, and they weave it into the texture of everything they do. Achievers see work as a means to better their world. Are you currently in a job or a vocation that you see is a means to better the world? Must be beneficial to humanity. Number seven, and the seven criteria for choosing your work. The vocation must allow you to associate with those you choose. You must have the ability to surround yourself with others like you. You must have the ability to surround yourself with others like you. And so the seven criteria for choosing your work, once again, let's go through this real quick. The position must be self-chosen. You must choose it. It also must be something that excites you. It also must provide ample opportunity for unlimited growth professionally and personally. You must be in a position where you're required to use critical thinking. And you cannot watch the clock in a level of compensation. You're, you're, you're moving beyond the idea that you're trading your time for dollars. Number six, all work must be beneficial to humanity. And number seven, vocation must allow you to associate with those you choose. Think about who you hang around. Who you're forced to hang around. If you are working a job eight to ten hours a day, who are you in the room with? Are these people that can help you get to where you like to go? Those who fall short of the mark trace their failure to the demand of the hour, laboring under the correct vocation. The giants of the race have been men and women of concentration, of high energy, who have hammered their, blow, their blows in one place until, they've, uh, they have, uh, they, until they have accomplished their purpose. And that one place was the right place. Mankind was designed for labor. Thou shalt live by the sweat of thy brow was written centuries ago. And the immutable destiny of humanity will never change. The true doctrine is that labor, systematic, industrious, congenial, is not only a necessary, is not only a necessity, but the source of our highest enjoyment if chosen correctly. If chosen correctly, what do you think about it, right? You know, our work is a mainstay of our life, and if you if you and I choose our work correctly. At the place that we spend the most hours, eight hours out of the day, a third of our day is spent at work. Well, if I chose my work correctly and I chose a, 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 you know, 
work that excites me. I chose work that that causes me to stretch the way that I to stretch my mind. I chose work that puts me around other people who can who can push the needle forward and who are progressive and who are ambitious and who are driven. If I choose my work correctly, it can be the source of one of my highest enjoyments because that's where I spend the majority of my day. You spend more time at work than you do at home. If you think about it, <laughs> a third of your day, at least a third of your day for most people is spent at work. For high achievers, more time is spent at work. Not less than eight hours, more than eight hours. Typically about 12 to 14 hours, half of their day. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, to spend half of my day in a place that doesn't excite me. To spend half of my day around people who bring me down instead of lift me up. To spend half of my day every day for 300, for, 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 what is it? For 50 weeks out of 52 weeks. 40 hours every week to spend half of my day in, a, in something that doesn't excite me, to spend half of the day in something that doesn't challenge me, to spend half of my day with people who don't push me, to spend half of my day in these types of jobs. Simply because I never chose my work. Chose my work. As you think about what you do uh, you know, to take care of your family. Did you choose it or did you settle for it? See, there's some people that say, you know what? I couldn't find a job, so I took whatever job I can get. Okay, that's cool. I understand. You did what you had to do. You took that job. But then after you took that job, did you still put yourself in position to go choose the really, the job that you really want? And uh, if, you have, if you recognize the job that you really want, have you qualified yourself? Have you made sure that you have that you are that you are prepared for that job whether that be that you got to take some type of test you got to do some type of uh you know uh, you know certifications or whatever the case may be are you preparing yourself to win so you can be in a place that excites you so you can be around people who, can, who are like-minded and you can associate with so you can be around so you can so you can stretch your thinking capacity so you can move beyond, uh, you know, just trading your time for money, which is the lowest form of compensation. Did you choose your work or did you settle for whatever you could get? Seven criteria for choosing your work. Good morning to you, Ms. Vivian Reed. Thanks so much for joining. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Work with all your might. Work with all <clears throat> your might. Let's read. Uh, beautiful lives have blossomed in the darkest of places. Like colorful lilies full of fragrance springing from the most stagnant waters. One man will evoke harmony and beauty from the toughest surroundings while another will turn fame and fortune into poverty and despair. The noblest sights in the world's offers is a young man or woman bent upon making the most of his or her life. He puts his soul into his work, however lowly that work may be. Turns meaningless words into poetry. Man is not merely the architect of his own future. He must lay the bricks 
himself. Man is not only the architect of his future, he must lay the bricks himself. Willie Gary's home, though poor and small, was big on values. His parents, two migrant workers who followed the, crop, who followed the crops, picking beans in Florida, peaches in Georgia, and apples in North Carolina, shared scripture each day, using the Bible as a reference point in their lives. There was no church nearby, but each Sunday my aunt would set up wooden boxes like pews under a shade tree and sent, seat all 11 children. God gave his only begotten son so we could live, she taught. So we must give ourselves to him. And one way is being to, being of use to others. You know what that means, son? His father said later as they worked in the garden, work. Work joyfully even if you're not paid for. The boy's lit, eyes lit up, staring in disbelief. You mean work for nothing? His father explained, it's better than sitting around doing nothing. The old man set out to make his point. He stopped digging long enough to wipe off his garden fork, making it shine in the Florida sun. Then he ducked into the tomb shed and grabbed another fork, this one much older with a broken handle. See the difference? He asked, the shiny tool is working. The dull one is useless, just rusting away. His father tapped the rusty fork and said, nature has a way of doing away with anything that's not being used. Though his father had only a grade school education, he possessed wisdom beyond his years. No one could be more grateful for this invaluable lesson than his impressionable son. So what's not being used will be done away with. Nature has a way of doing away with anything that's not being used. How many guys have been in have had times in your life where you just felt like doing nothing? I mean, there's be some weekends maybe or some days maybe or some weeks maybe. It's like, man, I just don't feel like doing nothing. And then as you may engage in that uh, that activity of doing nothing or doing not much, you start to see the ramifications of you doing not much with an impact on your health, an impact on your life, an impact on your wealth from doing nothing. You know, watching t binging, binge watching TV all day. Every day. For more than one day in a row. Doing nothing. And then, as you look at those seeds that are being planted, the seeds of nothingness, well, they can only bring back a harvest of nothingness. So what seeds are you going to plant today? Despite their nomadic existence, uh, Willie Gary's parents strove to keep their children in school. Education will one day provide an escape from the hopeless camps, but it was difficult. Migrant children attended classes only in the morning. By noon, buses roared into the schoolyard waiting to rush them back to the hot, steamy fields. Crawling on his hands and knees under a blowtorch sun, wincing at mosquitoes, Willie picked beans from midday to sundown, dreaming of better days. At age 20, he left home with the hope of playing football at Bethune-Cookman College in Daytona Beach. The local paper hailed him as a hero, the town's first black male to enter college, but once arriving on campus, Willie discovered that he was one of 125 hopefuls trying out for only 40 positions. He had to make the team or he would be sent packing. Day after day, the roster was whittled down. Finally, on the last day of practice, the coach summoned him into his office. I'm sorry, son. He began. 
Tiffany Willie didn't stay long enough to hear the rest of the coach's words. He cleaned out his locker and left for the bus station. Crestfallen and disappointed, the next morning he phoned his high school football coach explaining his circumstances. His coach paused for a moment and replied, Willie, there's a small school in Raleigh, North Carolina, Shaw College. Their coach is a personal friend. I give him a call and see if I can arrange a tryout. Here's a little guy like you. Maybe he'll give you a chance. That Sunday evening, Willie boarded a Greyhound bus and rode all night to Raleigh. He arrived on campus carrying his possessions in a worn-out suitcase to get held together by stream. Too excited to sleep, he headed to the coach's office. I'm Willie Gary, he blurted. The coach looked up from his desk, puzzled. What can I do for you? Well, I uh, I, I want to play football. He stammered, I'll do anything to make the team. The coach leaned back in his chair and said, I'm terribly sorry I don't have any openings. Our squad is full. Every position? Willie asked. The coach stood up and put a consoling arm around the boy's shoulder. Yes, every position. I'm afraid you'll have to go home. Wow, so Willie Gary at this point he uh, tried out at one school, Bethune-Cookman, got cut or didn't make the team. Uh, now he's over, I guess, at Shaw College. And uh, it doesn't seem like he's making his team either. Okay, what is Willie Gary going to do? A quick word from our sponsor. Use this principle to give away $10 million. He used this principle to give away $10 million. Willie left the coach. He left the coach's office knowing his, this time he couldn't go home. Outside the athletic department, he slumped on a bench holding his head in his hands. Several players passed by rendering a sympathetic, uh, a, a sympathetic ear. They suggest he spend the night on the sofa in the lounge of the football dorm. The following morning, he recalled his father's admonition. Work, even if you're not paid for. But what could he do? Work, even if you're not paid for. What could he do? He kept his eyes open. Mixing with other players as they walked to the locker room to suit up for practice. And they set off for the field. They left the locker room in shambles. Willie searched for a broom and a mop and began cleaning up. After the players showered and left, he cleaned the room again. An assistant coach casually remarked, you really want to go to school, don't you? To further his case, Willie visited the admissions office, completed an application, and embarrassed, and embarrassed told the director that he didn't have the $10 fee. It all seemed so hopeless. A day later, the coach spotted him on campus and remarked, I heard you're doing a good job in the locker room. I'll give you a meal ticket for the remainder of the week. One step, Willie thought. The coach added, maybe you, can add, bring, you, maybe you can bring the first aid kit to the field and our trainer could use a hand. Another step. The coach paused long enough to ask, where are you sleeping? Well, I've got a place, Willie said less than convincingly. No, you haven't. Coach said sternly. He just, his justice captain said, I'll get you a bed until Friday. Then you've got to go. As the coach walked away, Willie was fraught with worry. Friday? That's only two days away. Everything appeared 
hopeless. Friday afternoon, the assistant coach called, hey, Willie, the coach wants to see you. The boy with the big heart forced a smile, expecting the worst. He entered the office hesitantly. The coach met him at the door. I thought I told you to go home, he said shyly. Well, I, uh, Willie couldn't speak. The coach broke, the coach broke into a grin. I'm glad you didn't, he said. One of our linebackers was hurt during practice. We have a place for you if you still want it. Willie couldn't believe his ears. He nearly jumped through the ceiling. Before replying, he slipped into a jersey and passed two sizes too big and ran onto the football field. For the next four years, Willie Gary would not only shine on the gridiron for Shaw College, but would turn into a stellar performance in the classroom as well, earning a degree in business and earning a degree in business. In 1975, with his law degree in hand, he drove back to his home state of Florida to launch a practice. In one of his first cases, an elderly woman totted into his office. She was having trouble with the utility company regarding her bill. I'm sorry, Mr. Gary, she trembled, dabbing her eyes with a handkerchief, but I must tell you I cannot afford to pay you. Willie never forgot that precious lesson taught to him in the bean fields 25 miles away. He looked down at his desk for a moment, thinking of his father. Don't worry, ma'am, he said. I'll take your case. The look on her face was ample reimbursement. One phone call took care of her problem, but this was only the beginning. Impressed, the old woman recommended his firm to another family whose dilemma involved major litigation. Again, Gary's firm won. But this time, they shared a $100 million judgment. Today, Gary... Williams, Parenti, Finney and Lewis, Gary's firm, represents clients where millions of dollars hang in the balance. Over the past 15 years, Willie Gary has never lost a case. In an effort to give back and support the institution that supported him, Gary has pledged to donate $10 million to Shaw University, making his gift the largest contributions any black college alum has ever made. In addition, he openly shares his keys to success with young people in church groups across the country. Everyone is always eager to hear the story of how he won a spot on the football team. He gladly shares that tale, but he also tells listeners how he won at life. Just remember two simple rules. He teaches, trust in God and be willing to work. Trust in God and be willing to to work trust in God and be willing to work listen closely two crucial points stand out in Willie Gary's rise to prominence first the circumstances surrounding his childhood might have discouraged a lesser man or woman from pursuing his or her dreams and second through hard work, he was able to withstand the forces that tried to keep him back. There are two types of people who never seem to get ahead. Those who wait to be told what to do, and those who do nothing more than what they are told to do. There's nothing new about the greatest advice. It may be applied by anyone who possesses the untiring desire to seize it and make the most of the moment. There are two types of people who never seem to get ahead. Think about that for a second. Those who wait to be told what to do. 
those who wait to be told what to do. And then he says that those who do nothing more than what they're told to do. They only do just enough. And the just enough people get compensated just enough. And the other people are people who do absolutely nothing. And they get compensated in, in regard with absolutely nothing. See, I'm, I'm telling you, in order, in order to, to increase, to take our lives to another level, to do what we consider in this, in this portion with personal development, we must choose to act without being told. And we must choose to do more than we are required to do. To give more service and better service and understanding that eventually life must pay us our just reward. The people, the two types of people who never seem to get ahead are those who wait to be told. I think this is the majority of people. What I found in life is that the majority of people are simply sheep looking for a shepherd and waiting to be told what to do. And that's okay if you're a sheep at this point in time. You can always promote yourself to shepherd and start being a person that not only uh, that not only is being told what to do, but that can now uh, instruct others on what to do because you have promoted or increased your life. And, and the other are the people who do nothing more than what they're told to do. These are the people that just have a job. These are the people that say, you know what? I'm not coming in early. I'm not staying late. This is my job description. This is all that I'm going to do. Well, guess what? That's all you're going to get paid. Not understanding these universal laws. Not understanding the law of compensation. Not understanding the law of abundance. Not taking the greatest advice, which is work, could be one of the main reasons why you may be in a position, the financial position that you're in right now. Here's what I learned. A lot of things that are said in this good book called the Bible seems to be true. Idle chatter leads only to poverty, but diligence in all labor, in all work, there's profit. What that simply says, billionaires, what that simply says, kings and queens, that if you and I want to get into profit, we must go to work. The greatest advice, work. Willie Gary was an individual who was in a hopeless position. And he decided to use the advice that came from his father, which was to go to work. He was working without getting paid. He was cleaning up a locker room. He, he, he was doing whatever he could to be useful. And as he was being useful, other people started to see his value. An opportunity, the door that he had been knocking on with his work. That's the door of opportunity. It finally opened. Willie Gary was able to make the team. He never forgot where he came from. He got his law degree. And then he started making a difference and giving back. But it all goes back to persevering through the tough times so that you can uh, appreciate the good times.
This is the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, says, well, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village and it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music. New, new, new black, new. It's the new Black Wall Street Book Club. Street. With your host, Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Yeah. Now you ain't got a little computer, but we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the new Black Wall Street. Book club, book club. <laughs> yeah. The new Black Wall Street. The new Black Wall Street. Book club, book club. Huh.